Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Light Mike. Maybe? I don't know if this is a podcast episode. We're at least doing a deck tech thing. So here we are. My name's Tim, your usual host, and I'm joined by fellow Team Galaxy Brain member Eli, uh, who, uh, for those of you who are paying attention, his last name is Browerman. So you may have seen his name up on the Fab TCG websites. Um, coming in third place for Calling San Jose. Eli, how are you feeling right now? Tim, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. Sweet. I mean, that's that's good. If you were like, man, I'm really depressed about how I only got third, I'd be a little disappointed. But you never yeah, know. I can't com- can't complain. Like even if I uh, like just getting as far as I did, especially like beating a Bravo that was gatekeeping my top eight. Yeah. That was that was a pretty lucky mat. Like pretty lucky. I went so even if I had like gotten to that final, I would have just played that Bravo again, and uh, I wouldn't take the I wouldn't roll those dice a second time. Yeah, I mean, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in your uh, tournament prep or lack thereof. But um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I had I had faith in you going into the Guardian matchup as opposed to a lot of other Lexi players. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, kind of talk about our world's experience a little bit. Uh, it was it was a blast. Uh, so just in general, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we'll go over kind of how you got into card games, uh, what brought you into uh, Ranger class. Um, and then, yeah, we'll go over kind of like high-level tournament report. And of course, we'll uh, go over this uh, lovely uh, deck as well. Uh, there's some really spicy additions, in my opinion, in there. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. So uh, let's start with, uh, you know, let's start at the beginning, uh, like with every story. Uh, how did you get into card games, uh, and how did that bring you to Flesh and Blood? So my cousin, Mc- so when I was like a little kid, I played like Yu-Gi-Oh, and I like sold Yu-Gi-Oh cards at school until like the principal shut me down and like took all my stuff. It was all anyway. So like, cue like several years later, my cousin Michaela um, would play Magic, and she introduced me to Magic one summer, and then I got super crazy on Magic. I like deep dived. I was playing like standard like is it mill just just nonsense um <laughs> it's ridiculous that time um, and you know i made I, I made like a bunch of friends playing magic and then like as that evolved uh i started playing more competitive versions i started playing a lot of modern legacy etc but unfortunately something that kind of always held me back was even though like i was a good player i always played bad decks because the decks that i liked uh never really were meta i liked going snapcaster mage colgon's command uh that was like just Grix's control things um yeah so but but funnily enough in regards to like my history of deck building um i i created this uh four color snow deck um with like arkham's astrolabe and renin six and like all these cards that eventually um eventually banned arkham's astrolabe um so that but that was it was it was cool to like that was a wild yeah, time yeah. in modern. What was that? That was the first Modern Horizons, right? When they started bringing yeah. all the snow cards and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Dead of Winter was my favorite card. It was super fun. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that was pretty awesome. Just like a like a plague wind or something. Like a uh, it gave all your uh, all it gave all of your non snow creatures minus X minus X for each snow permanent you controlled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was super fun, but once like they kicked uh, Astrolabe, it was you know unplayable. But anyway, eventually like Modern did its thing, and I kind of stopped playing Magic and Wizards slowly been kicking the kicking uh, 
magic further into a specific kind of hole. And yeah. so when I heard about Flesh and Blood, I was like, this, let's let's check this out. And then I, like many other projected magic players, uh, just like kind of swapped over. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, that's very similar to my story, right? Like uh, where I was, I was very entrenched in Modern specifically too, and Snapcaster Cold On Man Command is one of my very favorite combos in the game. Uh, and um, yeah, I kept seeing all these people post about Flesh and Blood like right around the time Monarch first was out. And I was like, ah, oh, whatever. And then like, I saw that there were these Blitz decks that came out. So I was like, all right, I'll try these. And then I tried to get my wife into it, but she she wasn't a fan but i like as soon as i pitched and like played my first card i was like i think they like cracked the code on this game um yeah it just it really did it like the game just feels good to play yeah. like you just have so many everything's so uh every card is so optional there's like a, such a high velocity to the game because yep. you draw so many cards so you, yep. you know they, they just like you know is it has its own problems but like anyone who's ever been mana screwed in magic just knows that like these problems are better than oh, the yeah. other we've had before yeah and i mean that's it's that's uh that's not that's like a conversation you had with uh Nitan in um in the car on like the way back from the airport in portland is like yeah this yeah this right this game is like this game has problems but like if you compare it to the problems of like modern magic or whatever or even like even like you know the golden age of magic and like cons or whatever it's like i still i think like going back to like cons limited and like the modern era when it was first starting up, like I still think flesh and blood is like, and maybe it's just cause I just came off high of worlds, but like, it's like still the best game for me. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then it's still like, what's crazy is it's still so young. Like it's still like barely, it's like a couple years old. Yeah. And that's like, insane. uh, but yeah, I just, uh, the, the, the problems that like Flesh and Blood has, like, are much preferable to me. And I just think the game has a, a long way to go, like, in regards to like new classes and all this stuff. I was super psyched about how they just like snuck Assassin in here. I was not expecting that. It was very cool. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what that, um, the, because that's sort of like those dexterity classes, like Assassins and Rangers. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like, I play the decks that I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how so how did you was it just like a flavor thing or is like a play style thing? How did you get into Ranger? Because if I recall, you actually played Azalea before Lexi came out. So Azalea was like the I started playing this game, and so I bought two boxes of Arcane Rising, and like I opened a uh, I have Aphidia, and I was like, "What the okay. fuck is this? This is cool." <laughs> um, my friend like lost his mind because he's like, "Holy shit." Uh, so then I built like in I'm, I was playing this like budget Azalea deck with like a bunch of commons and an Iwafidia and it was just like <laughs> uh, it's it really funny and I I just liked the theme of it I I didn't really like I heard it was I didn't know it was good or bad because it was just like basically like playing tabletop decks mm -hmm. uh, it was just fun and that was cool um, I just liked that the the like the idea of like being a ranger and shooting arrows was just really cool to me. And to be honest, like the other classes, like at the time and, and kind of even still, like they just don't really appeal to me. Um, that's why I'm excited about like as the game grows, we get new classes and new like new new talents that sort of change and get and give like players who like I can only play decks really that I enjoy. Like if I go to a, if I just play the best deck and I go to a tournament tournament and I play best deck and I just like scrub out, I'm gonna feel like shit. But if I play a deck that I like, that I can find a way yeah. to like that I think can be good in some way or some version of that or some version of a deck I like, 
then I'm just going to have a better time and, and then I avoid burnout. So it just is a better way to do it for me. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's really, I, there was some other podcast I was listening to, like some flesh and blood podcast that where the host said kind of the same thing where it's like, I'd rather just like play a deck that I'm having fun with because I just traditionally have better results. So I think that's a really great piece of advice. Yeah. Uh, I totally. definitely vibe with that. I played a Reiner this weekend, so uh, obviously I'm not playing the tier one meta deck, although uh, <laughs> apparently it's pretty can, good. <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, I think if you're like the best player in the world, Icelanders probably pretty busted. As, right, right, um, right. People. We've all seen like very clearly. Um, and so, uh, before we dive too deep into the tournament, though, like, what was it, just for the viewers at home, what was it like at Worlds? Like, uh, what, um, I know that, like, you took kind of a break because you were, like, traveling before Worlds. Um, but, like, just the experience of, like, going to the first ever Flesh and Blood World Championship, the, you know, the calling, the vibe, uh, the side events, like, how did, how did you enjoy everything? And, uh, what you know, what was it like going in? So, like, I really like that it started on Friday and there were some, like, cool side events we could do that were, like, kind of high stakes or, like, mm -hmm. the, it was the Connor tournament for the World Book that I played. Uh, and then there was the, uh, there was the, those qualifier events for the Alpha Draft. Those were really cool because they felt like other side events, but, like, if you do really well, there's, like, actual, like, there's actually, like, a cool thing you can win. It's yeah. actually something kind of worth your time on, like, just farming tickets. Um so I thought that was all really cool. I was really excited for this because, you know, I'm moving out, out of, you know, Portland soon. And so, you know, we have our whole gang, we have our whole team of like, I don't know how many people we have now, but I, we all got, you know, we got an 11 person Airbnb and we all just like broke down for the weekend. Yeah. And that, that was like a really, really special experience, I think for all of us. And it was just really fun to like, I think on a, like Sunday or Saturday night or something watching like you know, five people crowded around a screen, like playing some shitty, like, um, uh, they're like, this is crazy. And it was like, okay. But it, it was just like, like those moments and like the yeah. pictures, like that was, it was just super, super fun to do all that. And to, so like, I really, I feel like the, you know, worlds was cool. And I like that it created, like, I think events like that are cool because they create opportunities for you to spend time with your people. And I think that is what was really special. Like the people, the, the friends that I made and the and the, the furthered uh, deepening of connections that I made with my friends already, the, that was like what was really extra special about it. And then, you know, like, like, like top eighting is cool and I'll do it. I gotta be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool too, I, but, icing um... on icing on the cake, but I agree. I think I would, I would go if, if I had gone this weekend and just like, Oh, two, like I would have been bummed that I O two scrubbed the calling or whatever, but like, um, but like I, yeah, I just had a blast, like talking flesh and blood, playing flesh and blood, getting dinner with friends afterwards. Like it was all just so fun. Um, I would, yeah. I would hundred percent yeah. do it again. Um, if you don't have friends, get friends would recommend. Um, yeah, I would recommend it for sure. So, okay, so let's dive into the tournament then. And and also, like, yeah, I, I hope that, like, just one last note on Worlds, actually. I hope that LSS just continues with, like, the venue is kind of weird. It was, like, an old circus tent, and people were, like, talking shit about it. But, like, it fit everybody, like, comfortably. They had enough space between people that I didn't feel like somebody was going to cough on me and kill me. So there was that, that was great. And then, uh... What's that? Yeah, that was fine. I was just saying you're yeah. totally right. It was oh, it was like yeah, a yeah, solid. Yeah. 
venue. Yeah, it was a fine venue. And like they like, yeah, the side events, like you said, were just so amazing. So, you know, I'm sure all of LSS watches everything we put out. Uh, so if you're listening, LSS, good job. And please do stuff like this again for callings, everything. Okay, so let's get into the deck, which I already have on my screen. So uh, this is the the list. I, I see you have a yeah sixty cards in your deck, and then uh, you have your sideboard and and weapons and equipment uh, laid out. Um, so we'll go through the specifics of the deck in a second. But um, going into um, going into the calling, um, what was your preparation like, and uh, what was like? What was your thinking, um, without going too specifically into like certain like tech cards or whatever? Like, what were you targeting? What were you hoping to dodge? What was your preparation like? So I, I'll actually uh, to, to just off rail for a second. I'm going to talk about uh, Lexi in general. So like sure. I, I played Lexi at the uh, Orlando Florida Calling. Um, I played like, and, and so I played this like ice Lexi. I got like, I don't know, I got 36th or something like that. Uh, and this was like right when like Cheerios Briar popped off. And um, I I just think the, the the disruptive power that Lexi has is especially is like I think more 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 other heroes are getting like a more disruptive abilities now. But I think like that disruption is is really like Lexi's uh, like strongest suit. Like just having a card in your arsenal, you can flip up. For a frostbite is free is is pretty free yeah. value and, and you can do that and it like messes with defense reactions etc. It's just like it's it's like a pretty good ability. Um, and I just like the power fantasy of ranger really appealed to me. So um, right. I last so I had I was forced to take the last like month and a half. I was like out traveling with my fiance. Um, we were in Israel. We were in some other places. I don't even remember at this point. Um, but I basically was like, cool, well, Worlds is coming up and I want to play the Calling. And I think Icelander is the best deck and I don't have time to practice and get like, and to master that deck. So since I didn't have time to master Icelander and to really like get the that deck, anyone who's played that deck knows that what you put in is really what you get out. Like yeah. it is a hard deck to play. Uh, just the decision-making chain. You'll finish a game and and you could have won, and you won't even know you you won't even know you made a mistake. Uh, it's it's just a hard hard deck. So anyway, um, I, I knew that, and I was like, cool. So coming into this, I need to put something I know, and so I figured the best deck that I know would either be like Bravo or Lexi, and I thought I thought that Lexi was actually like reasonably positioned. Like I didn't want to play Bravo, Icelander, which I thought was the best deck, well, but I thought if I could just dodge guardian a little there's nothing really i'd be uncomfortable playing against like there's the, the three decks that i don't really want to sit across from are dromai bravo and olden and the way i built this deck was to mi minimize the possibility like like sort of as, uh, to, to maximize the possibility of me having a good outcome into a bad match so that's what a lot of the like the weird sideboard like like yeah the inclusions of the weird sideboard cards like the amulet of or like like playing cards like amulet device insidious chill energy yeah. potion that that's for that that was me um, maximizing my percentages into Oldham. So I figured right. if I I think there weren't going to be that many Bravos because you'd have to be brave to play it into like the Icelander meta, mm -hmm. um, and I figured if I can dodge Dromai and Oldham and and more specifically then. 
uh, I think I'll be all right. And like, even if I play against an Oldham, it's unlike that, that realize that I have actual game into it. They're going right. to think like, oh, cool, you're a free win. This is Lexi. Meanwhile, like they're at 30 and I'm at nine and then, you know, I kill them. Um, and they're like, what just happened? Um, so that was, that was sort of my intention coming into this was to like have game into Oldham. And I think that I really succeeded there. Um, and I'll explain like how all that works, but um, I got some like good matchups, but I also got like, you know, I also got, had to play Bravo to like make top eight. And that was my absolute nightmare matchup. Like I figured I'll play Dromai or Oldham and I can maybe game out right. here or there, but I figured Bravo would be just about impossible. And it generally is pretty fucking difficult to, to get into a Bravo, but um, yeah. they can, but it, it worked out. Um, it's not because my opponent played poorly. It was just, uh, I, I got a little lucky and um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and your opponent uh, actually went on to make uh, the finals, uh, which is like if you guys had both yeah, beat well, your bracket, yeah. you guys would have had a rematch, which would have been, I would have loved to have seen that. That guy seemed cool, pretty cool, though. Yeah, I would not have loved that so <laughs> sure. much, but uh, I complain about playing the final, but um, it'd be hard to convince your opponent. Like, it'd be hard to convince your, your Bravo opponent in the final to like split the cash with you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Like, no, let's, let's just play it out. Let's yeah, out for sure. We'll just see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's what, like, and, like, this is, this definitely, like, I mean, this bit me in the ass at, like, an armory where we were both, we were, like, playing, doing the playoff for the cold foil or whatever, and I was like, you should just scoop. And you're like, uh, I don't want to concede to you. And so we played it out, and you actually won, uh, which, yeah, good move. That was fucking awesome. Uh, like, it was, it was definitely really late uh and uh you you like like double insidious chill triple amulet of ice me or whatever but like that's why those cards are in the deck right that's, is, that, that's the point is to yeah. be able to do you're not going to be able to do it every time but to be able to do it at all is really valuable yeah 100 percent um and like that that get you just like blew me out that game but like there are other games that are a lot closer right where like you can get the edge you can like take what is a negative matchup and maybe like squeak out a, a turn where you swing tempo like that and just get the upper hand. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So just talk about, um, yeah, just go through like a, a high level, like, um, like uh, what you faced, um, and and you can go ahead and spend like a little bit of extra time on like the any interesting matchups that you came across. So I came in feeling unfavored into draw my bravo and oldham mm -hmm. and a couple other like rhino was a 50s it kind of felt like always kind of a 50 50 like uh dorinthia kind of always felt like the kind of like either person just depending who's running hot you can just kind of get each other but i felt like in all these no block aggro decks like viscerai uh um uh Phi, briar i just felt like so incredibly favored that i was comfortable like taking the the bad the the, the unfavorable matchups especially because i felt like those favorable matchups such a high percentage of the meta just like fives so i figured all i have to do is just play against those aggro decks and i'll I just have a good time and uh, mm -hmm. it's it's worked out because um you know i think i played against the order of my i played something against like you know I played against a dash, like three or four briars, like three or four, like I think three fives, a mm -hmm. five in the top eight, um, a Dorinthia, an Icelander. Um, oh, I forgot that another reason, like I, I actually on on Lexi because from all of the testing I've done into Icelander, I felt like I had a good, sh like I felt I felt somewhat favored. Just mm -hmm. like one frostbite can be so um, 
frustrating from like the other side of the table. Yeah. And if I can just specifically in my deck, especially like I set it up. So, you know, I'm running, I think 23 blues or something. I'm running extra blues. Mm -hmm. I know support insidious chills, those cards like that. And so if I can just set up like big turns into the Icelander. I felt like I can just push it out uh, since I have so many on hits. Um, and, and it, it all worked out exactly the way that I thought it would. Um, right. so that, uh, that felt really rewarding is like, I had all these theories coming into the calling regarding like this deck, regarding what I wanted to play because of what I thought it was good against and everything that I thought was correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, let's, uh, um, let's, let's go into the deck a little bit then. Right. Before we go into the deck, I will talk about like one specific, uh, interaction. Oh yeah. That, sure. like, so like, uh, and that was like everything, the deck kind of like, if you're really good at it and you know what you're doing, there's not a lot of like, like there's a handful of like in, like imperative decisions of like which card you pitch to play the three of a kind or something like that. But uh, but there's also like these these choices where you make, like there was this one, the one like really memorable decision that I had to make the whole tournament was in the Bravo game. He puts out a Command and Conquer against me. And he has two cards in hand, so I'm like, cool, I'm gonna get uh I'm gonna get um pummel. I'm gonna get CNC pummeled. If I think if and like my arsenal is like Rain Razors era. And so I felt like if I get to play this Rain Razor in this I it, it gets me like closer to a win, but there's no way that I get CNC pummeled and still win this game. Right. So I so and you know, so so he and I, I'm running uh perch grapplers in the in the Bravo matchup, mostly to combo, but also for the block. Yeah. Here. Blocks so, two, right? I think it blocks two. Yeah. Blocks it blocks two. It blocks two, yeah. So I threw, I threw my whole hand in front of it uh, and I had a no block in hand. So, you know, I'm blocking 10. Uh, so he holds the he holds the pummel that I think he has. And then the next turn he goes C and C again. And, I, and if he, I'm either getting like, the, I'm either getting baited so incredibly hard or I'm mega minding. So I go with my, I, I go with my continued plan of the mega mind since I've already committed. Uh, and I block. And I block 10 again with like my whole hand. I block 12, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so he holds what I think is the pummel again. And then the third turn, he also goes C and C, but he pitches two red pummels to play it. And I'm like, okay, so if he had the blue, he could be mind games and he could still have two cards in hand, but if he had the blue, he could keep one pummel into arsenal and that's the better play. So you like wouldn't mind games, you can make a better play. So then I think, all right, he doesn't got it. And so he had he ended up having the red pummel. But he didn't have the pitch to play it because uh, he just drew all reds. Um, and so that, you know, so I blocked six, assuming he didn't have the pummel. And then uh, I took the temple back. I got to play out my arsenal. And like that, I felt like that decision was the game, really, because I had fucked that up even a little. Um, that would have been the game on the spot. Yeah. Wow. That's, I didn't, so I didn't actually see that interaction. Uh, and that's, like yeah fucking mega mind right <laughs> like yeah it, was, it, felt, it felt pretty good it felt pretty yeah. good like I, I i don't know what that felt like from across the table but um I, that was pretty that was pretty cool that was like a really rewarding interaction yeah yeah but uh, anyway on to i mean they, no that's yeah uh yeah that was pretty i mean three cncs and you were able to like fade that because that's like it that's like the, the kind of the commonly accepted wisdom is that it's like the best card against lexi right because you like, yeah, get like sure. two or three cards if you pummel it, right? So yeah, so he went C and C threatening pummel, C and C threatening pummel, C yeah. and C, and didn't matter. Yeah, that's pretty pretty awesome. Um, yeah, pretty awesome. yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's yeah, let's dive into the deck. Um, so uh, 
this, uh, so you have it laid out so that like this 60 is kind of like your default 60, right? And then the sideboard yes. is is just what you switch in for different matchups. So let's go over like, All yeah, right. let's just go over the, the default 60. Um, and maybe you don't have to talk about every card. Like uh, everybody knows like channel like Frigid and, and, and stuff right. like that. But yeah, uh, just go over some of the kind of maybe some of the key cards of the deck um, and kind of some important synergies uh, that exist. So there were like different flavors of building uh, Lexi, you know, like Yuki built that. Um, the the no fuse deck, you know, you're going uh, art wars and stuff. And I thought, you know, I, I thought that was cool, but I figured that, you know, if I'm beat, like there, there's only, you know, Fi can just output damage to just do damage. I, should, I would just play Fi. And so I figured the one thing that Lexi really has is the disruption, like for, and I really felt Arctic Incarceration and Insidious Chill mm. were like these huge cards uh, out of out of Uprising. Um, and uh, I, I really felt like they gave it a lot of game for when um, you either miss your disruption or, and you, or let's say, the, the biggest thing I really think I'll give you is that Uprising gave you this critical mass of ice cards that let you keep tempo or retain value if you drew the dreaded like four no attack hands. Right. Like everyone's so convinced that you know Lexi just whiffs and loses to herself, and like you know she'll just draw four non attack, and that's true. But not when your non attacks are insidious chill, uh, channel a frigid arctic incarceration amulet of ice. You know like that's a all of a sudden that's a nuts hand. Yeah. Um, you know like and you're I'm, I'm totally like if I draw all four. On attack, I don't, I don't give a shit. That's that's totally fine. You know, mm -hmm. I'll just go aim at a vice in a lake frigid pass, or, aim, or like, uh, you know, insidious chill channel, art taking card. Like, there's just so many with winners by between all these cards. Like, all of my ice cards get cards out of my opponent's hand, or they give me value when I play them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really felt like that was diminishing this huge weakness that Lexi had, which is like drawing these like awkward hands yeah. of like ice quake devices, and it's just like and then losing the game because of it. Um, so I really felt like playing extra, like going full hard into ice would let me leverage those aggro matchups by just tempoing them out with the, the value I get from the disruption and, and then having to like play their cards that don't like either block poorly because that's not what their decks are supposed to do or like play into big disruption and get less value. Right. Um, and, and totally, and it totally worked out. Um, and, and also I'll add that, you know, like Insidious, Chill, Arctic Incarceration, Amulet Device, like all these cards, like they make your turn one so much stronger. I think you have like between every card in your deck, what's it like six, uh, 10, 11, 12. You have like 16 plus, like probably like 16 or something ways to have like a nuts turn one yeah. where you just like get a lot of value. Like where you're like disrupting them turn one, you play Arctic Incarceration, you play Channel Device, Channel Lake Frigid, you go like, you know, aim the device, insidious, chill, arsenal. Like that's crazy um, uh, that you can do that. So the the fact that you can leverage those those cards, um, I felt like was super strong. Uh, but yeah. other than that, it's just like just not just like just Lexi things. You know, you're playing your fuse. You're just playing your fuse cards. Yeah. Like the only thing's really different is, uh, is these setup cards that I have, like these amulet devices, chills, etc. Yeah. Totally, and so uh, yeah, and like I, 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 I've, I've, I, I saw this in action, uh, you know, when we were playing all all weekend. But like the ability to like not only just the turn the the nuts turn one, but like um, 
something that we like kind of collectively as a team had complained about about Lexi is like like she feels insanely powerful until the turn where yeah you draw like some non-attacks or you like whiff your three of a kind or whatever but then you said yeah. something where you were like well you play three of a kind and then like oh no like I have like uh, amulet of ice uh, insidious chill like arctic carceration so you like disrupt your opponent's turn even though you're not doing damage and just setting up for like a big wombo combo um and that is what's really appealing to me about um about lexi is is that you, she did get these uh these insane cards out of um um you know uh uprising <laughs> you know that one yeah. set um so uh what's the i mean what what is the what are some of the kind of the key cards in here you met one of the the non-attacks um and, and you said kind of just like lexi uh few stuff right so you're we're talking chilling ice vein blizzard bolt which you're running rainbows of everything uh only two blizzard bolt instead of three uh, for a uh, blue i should say um and then frost lock and then those are kind of the elemental arrows um we've seen those a lot any like particular notes about those that uh you want to talk about this weekend or uh i mean frost lock is one of my favorite cards mm -hmm. like if you can weave ice a frost lock a uh, phi is just gonna lose yeah. so much like that's just a you're just taking an extra turn and and slapping them um so i i love frost lock i love you know the a normal like like a normal like a normal like solid hand is like you know you pitch a you play a fuse arrow into a zero cost arrow and then you arsenal yeah and like that's whether you arsenal another arrow and like whatever whatever that is that's like a good turn uh, because that turn, they're either they're either keeping cards and they're having an inefficient turn because of disruption, or you're just you know there's blocking out and you're just getting more time to set up or to draw into your you know uh, rain razor and uh, mm -hmm. rain razor endless arrow nonsense like what really you know wins you games. Yeah, so that's another. I mean, what appears to me as like an outsider who has played like one game of Lexi in his life, uh, endless arrow seems like a pretty like like a pretty key card in kind of the Lexi strategy in general. Um, sure. Yeah. So, are you playing that in like every matchup? Are you are you ever cutting it? Uh, is it a key part of your strategy? Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, none of the arrows ever come out except for like I don't blue blizzard bolts. I sure. sometimes cut for the scene, which I'll explain. But like, um, yeah, like endless arrow definitely like of all the cards in the deck, endless arrow put in probably the most work of any of them. You know, I think I had one aggro matchup where I played the same endless arrow, probably like. 10 times that game uh and it just like, never it just never left because like yeah. he never blocked it, like he, he was like making efficient blocks etc but like this one fucking endless air stuck around the whole game and gave yeah. me like it was just it was it was great um i love that card uh hilarious card um i feel like players don't really know what to do when you play an endless arrow um because if as a lexi player uh if I ever play an endless arrow for like four go again, the only reasonable response to not lose to not like a fifty percent chance of losing the game is just like block six. Yeah. With two cards. And if you can't do that, then like I don't know, you're you're really rolling the dice there. Um Yeah. Yeah. Um one of my favorite plays that I saw that like I mean it was just like the creme de la creme to me is you were so uh we didn't even mention this. You played Pablo Pintor in your top eight match. Uh, yeah. who, who was on Phi, um, and was also until I mean I can't I I have to assume everybody just agrees Michael Hamilton's the best in the world right now, 
but uh, he in contention, well, like potentially one of the best players in the world, ch- p- PT champion. Um, you beat him while he was on Fi. Uh, one of my favorite lines that happened though is, and I don't remember your exact hand, but you were you're running the CNCs in this matchup, um, and yeah. uh, you go uh, you play a blue polar blast uh, from Arsenal. Uh, draw a card and he's like i'm sure like i don't want i'm not gonna i'm trying not to block so he doesn't pay to pay to not give your your um your next attack dominate you load up endless arrow with with go again i believe and so it comes in for four dominate he blocks probably blocks two of it or three of it whatever uh goes back to your hand uh and then uh you came in with uh either one more arrow in a cnc or or a cnc after that like you basically sequenced it so that he had a lot of hard decisions, but he was like keeping his arsenal and trying to maximize his next turn, and then you just smacked him with the CNC, and it was just like, oh my god. Um, yeah, the CNC—that was a really cool. I, I had the the I had that that turn. Weird decisions, a lot of which like would have lost me the game. The turn prior, I had the choice of arsenaling the polar blasts mm-hmm. or the endless air. And this is like we're both out of equipment. It's like you know, it's like he was at four, I was at like two or one or something, mm-hmm. and it was just like a lot of. So I felt like you know, if you ice are you are or arrow chant, you get more shots having a a bigger a bigger turn, so he can't block you out or something. Um, even though he doesn't want, he actually could block pretty well. He's playing a fair amount of like um, blocking cards, but um, yeah, or, or maybe he just saw. Uh, that's just what I recall. I, I don't. I didn't actually look at his deck list, but um, yeah. So I, I ended up arsenaling the, the polar blast. You know, the extra draw would be worth something, and I figured that if I could use the dominate on the endless arrow, that'd be really value. And so you know, I play the polar blast from arsenal, and then I go endless arrow. He can't block it, so I get to endless arrow again. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm threatening every every attack. I'm threatening lethal. Mm-hmm. And then so he blocks. The, he 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 blocks the. I think he blocked that second one. And right. or and then and then I get to come in with the card I drew off of the. Um, the Polar Blast, which was a yellow, let me pay for the CNC right. for like, you know, it was like, you know, eight. Um, well, yeah, and that was, and that was, that was it too, right? It's like, it four. Yeah. So yeah, it was, that, that was, that was so crazy to me. Like the, uh, and it's just like, I feel like this is what I missed when I like dabbled in Lexi is like, there's a lot of like little interactions like that. Like some, like. I feel like the way LSS has like kind of designed the game is to make it obvious for like, oh yeah, you want to dominate big attacks to like push through damage, right? But um, there's all these little interactions in Lexi, right? Like Polar Blast into Endless Arrow is like actually quite good because <laughs> they're they're either just taking four and giving it back to you, or they're blocking inefficiently, and you're still getting another Endless Arrow. And so just like yeah, seeing that that was that was what it was is like Endless Arrow into another Endless Arrow into CNC, like that is just that was just so. Like that line was just so beautiful to me, and I, I love that there's like so many little lines like that in Lexi. Um, so yeah, I mean, would you say that this is like um, um, besides maybe like you know maxing out on like Arctic Incarceration Amulet and Insidious? But I mean, is this like a pretty standard sixty uh, for for Lexi? What do you think is the most like like and, and disre- disregarding sideboard? Um, is there is there did you cut any sacred cows or? Or put in any extra spice in the main board? Um, I mean, pro- I mean the spiciest main board stuff is probably like Insidious Chill, right. Amulet of Ice. Everything else, I feel like, is is fairly fairly standard. Um, yeah. I feel like most of the Lexis have been gravitating towards like the Art of War esque 
uh, yeah. play style, but like the kind of the, the I, we'll call it the Yuki Lee Bender uh, like Art of War type Lexi that you were just talking about, right? Yeah, and and it's just not my I don't know it just didn't really I had my I had my doubts about that play style mm -hmm. uh, coming into this um, and um yeah yeah um, probably the weirdest in this deck is the energy potion and that is just for olden yeah well that's a wow great segue we didn't even plan that one let's uh let's slide down to the sideboard here um pretty standard equipments too right like snapdragon new horizon obviously tunic bullseye yeah. bracers um and yeah. uh, we'll talk about bullseye bracer shock charmers too because you said some funny shit um, <laughs> regarding that yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then um, Voltaire as well, obviously. Um, anything to say about these equipments before we kind of dive into this uh, this fifteen sideboard? Um, New Horizons super cracked. Uh, that card's crazy. Cards I love it so much. Snapdragons are like your default boots for sure. They just let you be super versatile. Um, the Bullseye Bracers lets you threat like Bullseye Snapdragon together. Let you threaten on like those big turns, like individually and together. Like probably an extra. Um, you know, seven damage, uh, sometimes each, uh, mm -hmm. which is kind of, pretty, yeah. uh, but it really just depends. Yeah. You know, I also have games sometimes where I have the bullseye bracers because I just, there's just, it just, things don't line up properly, but those generally aren't the games you're to hope, hoping for necessarily. Right. Um, purse grapplers are specifically for matchups where you are going to lose if you cannot block specific cards, which is Bravo and Oldham. They're actually specifically to activate, which is very odd. Um, so I really wouldn't, I wouldn't play first grappler, uh, like Bravo, you know, Oldham. I don't even think I, there's anything else I'd really play it into. Um, I might play it into Alexi, yeah. but I, well, uh, if I you're really... trying, if you're trying to combo, would you play it into something like, uh, Dromai, for example? Like, would no, you? For, no, definitely not. I think not. you need that, like, unsolicited, usually pure aggression, uh, right. in my, for me. Okay. Um, and okay, so you're getting more, uh, more like consistent damage output with Bullseye Snapdragon as opposed to like right. setting up for a huge turn with, uh, against Oldham or Bravo or something. Uh, yeah, the, the huge turn is really for the Oldham Bravo. You'll, you'll just need block at some right. point. Yeah, you'll the just... two block is more relevant. Yeah, yeah. The two block will, will be relevant. But a weird card, like I am playing Shock Charmers and I do, I love this card. And you know, I played it a lot on like Tales release in like the big ice Lexi deck. I do think it's not the best, but I also there are specific scenarios where I want it. Like I don't want it against Fi. I only want it against decks that do not want to block. Mm -hmm. So already that's much like five viscerai um and like five viscerai briar. Mm -hmm. And then I don't really want it against Fi because the games are generally so short that the opportunities that I'll get to use Shock Charmers and that'll line up in, a, in a, like an important way are rarer. Mm -hmm. And so I'd rather just have like the guaranteed, the more, the more, slightly more consistent value of like the Bullseye Bracers. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, into Briar, Shock Charmers is like, I go back and forth against Briar between Shock Charmers and Bullseye Bracers. But if you were ever going to play Shock Charmers, like the, the best deck I think to play it against would be Briar um, because you can get the free block out of the Spellvoid 2 on the uh, Rosetta Thorn at some point in the game. And then you're also able to get value out of Shock Charmers. And um, this deck can leverage Shock Charmers really hard because if you, on those three of a kind turns, you often, you know, draw an ice card or two and you have extra resources. Mm -hmm. And so if any damage leaks through, it's just blow, like blow it all into Shock Charmers. Yeah. And 
you just get a lot yeah. you just get a lot of value for that and it lets you use all the cards you draw off of three of a kind. And if you can, you know, play one card to draw three cards and use them all, like that's pretty crazy value wise in regards to a game. So yeah, um, that the ability to do that is really is really huge. Um, and the ability to like threaten to screw up their turns. Um, but I kind of joked about with the team that Shark Charmer is a weird card because it's at its best when your opponent is not extremely familiar with everything that you're doing and your ability to like tinker with the game state. Um, so I, I always, I, you know, I joke that like all these, I have all these sideboard cards and, you know, like Lightning Press, Lightning Search, like uh, Hypothermia, these are play against decks. And then Shock Charmers is a card you like play against players. Um, <laughs> um, but I, it's like, so in the beginning of the day, like, I was playing Shock Charmers into the into a lot of the aggro matchups mm. on on day one, and slowly, like as the day progressed, I ended up wanting the Bullseye Bracers more. So, in, in you know, a new if I were to rebuild the deck, I feel like I might I I'd probably keep it in, but um, yeah, it, but it's, it's definitely but a, it's a, in that it's in that like flex slot kind of like it could be replaced. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it, it probably could be replaced, but what's weird is, as Lexi, you really do have kind of an odd amount of sideboard space. Like, a lot of these cards are, like, weird side grades. Like, Hypothermia is marginal. Like, you only you only want it... Like, it's good against Dory, it's good against Dash, but outside of that, you don't really want it. Um, so it's, it really could technically be something else, but what else are you going to put that actually provides you a, a, a real benefit? Yeah, sure. Because you're... Sort of requires so much from you in regards to the ratios you can't just like take out arrows and yeah. you can't take out ice club and you can't take out like it just like has such specific values in those cards that do occupy pseudo flex slots are cards like rain razors and three of a kind which are like uncuttable um so you have very few slots you can actually like play with um so that in a way gives you a lot of sideboard space um because you get to play all these like situational cards uh like for example lightning surge is really for oldham but i honestly would if i were to rebuild the deck i would play it uh and i honestly don't know what to put in instead because i didn't really even need the slot um so you you actually have room in the sideboard to like play weird cards um yeah yeah i mean and that's that's really fun right like so you can tinker around with your side uh, sideboard um, so, okay, so we went over Perch Grappler, Shock Charmers, Null Room Boots seems kind of obvious to me. Um, yeah. Just talked about Lightning Press and Hypothermia and Surge a little bit. Uh, no, no, I think the... No, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the spiciest inclusions in your sideboard are Energy Potion and Command and Conquer, which I had never seen in a Lexi deck. Uh, so Command and Conquer is, one, is another one of those cards that it, it kind of does, like, you're already doing the things that you're doing, mm -hmm. Conquer slightly better into certain matchups so like since i'm running more blues uh to support insidious chill and it actually helps with shock charms as well um but since i'm running more blues to support the the that and in regards to playing against ice heroes uh, if i'm playing against an aggro deck like fi or a briar often uh, what i've been what i was doing was i was cutting a blue bolt or two of the blue because it's the worst arrow it's like the worst of all the fuse arrows the blue blizzard bolt um and i would replace them with like one or two c and c and i was like really happy with that and it, it like you know it won me the game against pablo for example um and it just gives you a little bit more disruption uh and it doesn't really hurt you too much and it doesn't really hurt you because i'm playing extra right there's kind of what the cncs are for they're good against lexi if you run into one they're good against dromai because popper yeah. outside of that um and, and then it's good against agrodex unless you pressure them with on hits um and then you know the e pots are entirely for 
hold them and I'll, I'll explain that whole strategy in just a second. And, but the most common like sideboarding like decision you'll make in this game uh, with this deck is that you will just, against some decks, you'll play the 60 here. And then a lot of decks, the, the biggest decision you make is you just change the red Arctic incarcerations for the red lightning presses. Like if the, if the frostbites don't mean that much, then you just turn them into light. You just turn them into lightning presses. Like one frostbite or three frostbites for uh, Icelander is, can often be kind of the same right. or into Guardian. So you'll swap the art incarcerations for the lightning presses and call it a day. Um, yeah, right on. Uh, so, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so like, let's say if you're playing in Spy, I would run this exact 60 and then I would put in a, a Command and Conquer or two and I would take out a Blizzard, a, a Blizzard Bolt or two. Uh, other than that, you play this exact deck uh, into Icelander, for example. I would cut the three Arctic Incarceration reds and I'd put in the presses and, you know, put in the Nova Boots and that's pretty much it, I think. And you, you just run that. You just run exactly that. Yeah. Uh, the, so that's it, first of all, I think it's really cool that the sideboarding is like uh, I'm going to say relatively straightforward, um, and that well, there's there's like a, there's like yeah. a clear plan right for what you take in and put out. Um, but then you have the sixty core right. Like as 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 a former Magic player, it appeals to me because like sometimes I get all tripped up with like what's the core of my deck and like what am I adding for these matchups. But it's nice to have like a standard list and it's like okay for this situation you go out and in. So that's really cool. Um, so for some, but for somebody that who's like looking to, like jump in and like pick this deck up and start learning it, uh, I feel like it'll be it would be hard to like be really good at it in your first few games. But like, what are some like tips and tricks that you can give to somebody um, about Lexi and this deck? Play it a lot. Like on on Uprising release, uh, I noticed that after all the inclusions that like, you know, running, you, you start running these non-attacks that don't have to go again, just like Arc Incarceration and Sidious Chill, and they put you in kind of a weird spot when you want. You can't then also Arsenal an arrow later, because then, you know, and that was a mistake I was making, like at Arsenal, Red Arc Incarceration, and then I'd Arsenal like, and then let's, and then I'd like drop my four and realize that I just bricked my next turn. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because I have to play one of these and I don't get my action point back. Um, so I'd say like, you know, be careful of that. And then just like, really just the reps. Um, there, there's some like weird theory things that like more delicate decisions. Like let's say you have um, in your hand, you have a yellow arrow and a blue ice card and what, which one, and you have a three of a kind and like what, and you don't have a tuna counter. Like what are you pitching to play your three of a kind? Are you more worried that you won't draw an ice card and you won't have disruption? Or are you more worried that you won't draw any arrows and and you're just gonna like, you know, break your whole turn? Uh so and, and like decisions like that, and like you, you just kind of have to get comfortable, like, well, what's left in my deck? What have I what have I seen so far? Right. When was the last time I saw cards? Like those are like those sort of more of my minute decisions that you'll you'll get to later. But like I'd say on the decision making is just like play the deck and you'll realize like when what works and what doesn't. Because yeah. you'll realize that like oh shit, I can't arsenal my arctic incarceration and then an endless arrow. So I have to sort of sequence my turns in such a way that, that like, I don't end up, you know, two, two weird things stuck in my arsenal and extra cards. Right. Um, yeah, right on. Yeah, there seems like that's, uh, uh, I mean, good advice for like every deck you're trying to learn is to like get reps, but like it does seem especially, like I'm glad you clarified the like, like 
there's a lot of situations that like seem good at first, right? Like, yeah, sure. Arctic, in, you know, our red Arctic incarceration seems like a good thing to just like play some arrows, then like end of turn, put it out. But then you realize that like <laughs> you can't do everything because you're limited by your arsenal slots and your, your, yeah. your Voltaire activations and your, your, you know, everything. So, um, yeah, that's, um, that's good to hear. Uh, any, uh, any other tips and tricks that I have one more question for you after that? Yeah, so I'll explain Oldham a bit, but then I will add just that one of the like super powerful thing you can do with Arctic incarceration as the red is it's crazy. Like it basically makes four frostbites, which mm -hmm. is a crazy. The difference between four frostbites and three is monumental. Um, but what's what's really good about Arctic incarceration is that you know you flip it flip face up with Lexi, and then your opponent knows it's there, mm -hmm. and then you you know you shoot it, some arrows at him, and then he can he he thinks you're going to play the Arctic incarceration, and so he, he thinks his turn sucks into that, and he wants to block etc., uh, and he blocks you out. You just don't play the Arctic incarceration, yeah. or if he thinks that so you you like put him in a no win situation where he either has to like eat your whole turn's worth of damage, and then you get he also will get Arctic incarceration, and or he blocks out, and you'll just uh hold it and you'll do it again the next turn like it really, it's it's just a really cool uh like no win situation you can put your yeah. opponent in it's kind of like uh it's it's kind of like when your opponent plays around pummel right because like like you they get yeah, well, exactly. i mean well it, i mean you played around pummel but that was a that you had a game plan but like people who who was like oh he might have the pummel i don't want to get pummeled so like i'm gonna block an extra four and then they just arsenal the pummel and then they pummel it later pummel yeah exactly but um, but in this in this scenario there's the mind games of like you can see the arctic incarceration so it sort of forces your opponent to well it allows your opponent to uh, more opportunity to misplay right which is really cool yeah so it great great card like the red arctic is super super good uh and th so then i guess i'll just talk about olden which is the main reason that i, I played this deck ways ranger's biggest weakness is those super crazy block decks um but what I realized is if I'm playing as an olden, I can play Amulet of Isis, I can play Insidious Chills, mm -hmm. I can block, I, instead of like attacking a lot and like just getting fatigued, I can like block out, get to like make a crazy like second or, or third cycle uh, and just kill him from like 30. Uh, and the whole way you do that is you, you just start the game and you play your Amulet of Isis, you play your Insidious Chills. You like still need to shoot an arrow or two once like so that, you know, they are required to block a little. You don't want to just give them five turns every turn. But you can leverage a five-card hand better than they can. So whenever you give them a five, you know, often, you know, playing the Insidious Chills and the Amulet of Ices decks will play defensive against you. And so then one of your turns where you've just been, like, smacking them with six cards, five, six cards a turn, and you just go, okay, um, I have the tempo, you have four cards, I'm just going to go Amulet of Ice and Insidious Chill pass. And they're stuck with, like, two D-Reacts in hand with, like, an asshole. Like, it's a good, it, it's, like, a good spot to be in because you're, it, it just puts your opponent in a weird position sometimes. So against an Oldham, he's coming at you with, uh, uh, let's say, you know, CNC's hammer, et cetera. A lot of block, uh, keep your life total high, like play an amulet device or an insidious chill and then pass. Um, yeah. And then once you, you know, you pitch your endless, you, you know, you set up, a, you pitch stack a endless arrow, rain razor, some three of kind nonsense. Uh, and basically the, what you want to do is you, you want set up a second cycle where you have you need at least an e-pot you want at least like probably like at least two amulet devices two insidious chills if not if not all three amulets mm -hmm. the amulets are strong for that ability to like uh choose exactly when you want to eat their hand yeah 
And then you need to pitch stack a ice guard, uh, like a fuse arrow, an endless an endless arrow, and rain razors. And if you can do that, uh, and if you slick, uh, sneak a three kind in there, it's pretty good too. But you don't necessarily need it. But as long as you have that fuse arrow, you know you play that fuse arrow on the second cycle. You pop all your amulets. You, you pop you your you two insidious chill triggers. You completely shred their hand. Yeah. Um, and then you, from there on, like their hand's empty. You have like you've activated you, you've activated Voltaire uh, like once or or none. Uh, and then you're free to like endless arrow rain razors them uh, as many times as you want. And I, I think the maximum amount of damage is like it's like mid it's like thirty something with shooting five arrows like a bolt and shot and stuff. But more realistically, like you set up like twenty to thirty damage off of um, like second cycle amulet ice insidious chill blah 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 against yeah. an oldum and, and the ability to do. Um, especially against oldums who don't understand that you can do that, or don't under or decks that don't understand what your goal is there, like that that is super powerful. I, I... yeah. Well, uh, so thank you for the overview. Uh, I think this is a really good starting point for anybody who's looking to just like pick pick up this deck and and start running with it. So here's another question that I'm sure uh, everybody who's interested in this deck will ask: Like, is this deck going to be good after Dynasty? Uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's keep it hot takey. Do you think this deck is going to get uh, better or worse after Dynasty? Damn, um, it's hard because it also whether how good this deck is after Dynasty depends on how good Assassin is. Yeah, sure. Because if Assassin's a, Assassin's a playable deck, I'm sorry, but Assassin is like a fucking horrible matchup for. Yeah. It's like it, it's really, really atrocious. Like the, a frostbite's really bad for them, but also like you know, Assassin wants a ton of D-reacts. It wants it, it has like functionally, you know, um, six to nine weird versions of Command and Conquer in their deck between like Surgical Expansion, uh, Leave No Witnesses, CNC. Like you don't want that shit. That's fucking terrible for you. Uh, and then, like, they have all these banish on hits. They get to take your block points and get your and make silver because you don't block well. Like, it just everything that they're doing works well into what you're doing, and it's not where you want to be. Yeah. Um. But, but I I do think aside from that, like, you know, I don't think any deck got like I think Dash got some cool stuff. Uh, I think Reiner got some cool stuff. I, I don't really see too much that like I'm not scared of necessarily. Thankfully, Guardian looks like got pretty much fat nothing uh for the most part yeah not I don't, um, there wasn't anything that like i saw i was looking at all the cards with natan who for those who don't know he did a, a deck tech on our channel uh with uh for oldham um and he's kind of like our guardian like main um and we were looking over it with him and i don't think like i don't think he thinks there's anything either like he could maybe he's wrong they will make him make a video about it but uh i didn't see anything that i was like oh yeah that's like a slam dunk replacement for you know whatever so yeah i i definitely agree with you there um but i will add that there are, are there are two cards that are good for lexi uh in this in, and or this deck but they're better for this sort of like art of war version of the deck um yeah like and those two cards are heat something or other what's it called i have it What's that oh, card? Uh, I can uh, I can just click over to this. Shout out to February for being a sick uh, yeah. sick website. <laughs> Cards that are like worth looking at for Ranger in regards to Lexi specifically, mm -hmm. in my opinion, really. Um, oh, Heat Seeker, yeah. Heat Seeker and uh, where are they? Heat Seeker. 
and drill shot. So Heat Seeker, you know, functionally draws you a card, but it better than that because in Lexi it draws the card, it, like a top face up card in the arsenal, which still lets you arsenal. So if you uh, have, you know, you go, you go fuse arrow, uh, something something, um, and then end of turn and and your Heat Seeker hits. You're coming back at them the next turn with another six card hand, yeah. uh, and that's really really strong. So I think Heat Seeker is worth playing. Um, it's you can't. It's hard to fit it into this deck because um, you don't really want to cut your zero cost arrows because they're follow up like yeah. on on pit blue with uh, you know you want to go fuse arrow one cost arrow and that's wrong. But like if I were to put them in this deck right now, I'd probably cut like the yellow, or I'd cut two blue blizzard bolts sure. and something like something something like that um i think um so that the heat seeker is definitely solid and then drill shot i think is worth playing um at least in the sideboard because there are some like extra extra slots over like you know the lightning etc just as like a side grade arrow well and i mean it's a, it's a it's a zero for four like we we're just talking like so it's a good like it's a good follow-up card right pathing helix yeah exactly but the thing is, like, the Pathing Helix kind of lets you do play, like, a pseudo-Artivore pseudo thing where, like, you threaten a Pathing Helix after you play a three of kind or something, and it puts your opponent in a position where, like, like the most threatening thing ever. Um, or you can fret, threaten, like, further arrows on Rain Razors uh, after you've used Voltaire a couple times. Right. Um, but, but, so, I, def I, I don't super know, like, if you would just take out those Pathing Helixes, because maybe that upside is only marginal. But drill shot is definitely like a very powerful card. If you put yeah. a minus one counter on like your, like if Oldham, you know, he's using Rampart, and you put a minus one counter on it, that Rampart, the rest of the game. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So like that's super strong. If you can put it on, on uh, an equipment that blocks two, you know, you know, you're they're you're getting a lot of value off of that. So I think drill shot and heat seeker are worth including in some way. But the the problem is like it doesn't really do a lot for this exact list it's like they're side grades and or like they make certain things better they make certain things worse they're not like direct upgrades but i, I do think they're worth playing and, and so you yeah so you'd have to like retool the deck as a whole a little bit to make sure they all synergize but like no yeah, good, good. problem but i do think they're they're good cards yeah i mean yeah the uh, heat seeker is 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 super sick and yeah dr the more that i look every time i look at drill shot i think it's a little bit better and yeah hearing you talk about it makes me pretty excited to play it so yeah drill shot is definitely better if you can put aim counters on it um but drill shot's definitely super powerful like that's a card that um pretty much has to be blocked because you're you know they're losing their you're, they're wasting their armor on like a useless arrow right so yeah i do think those are good and I'm excited to see what the new meta is. Uh, new cards are cool. I'm gonna see if if Azalea is playable with the Great Bow, etc. Like all maybe. the aim counter arrows. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I do think it's annoying they're giving like the, the class with historically the most amount of hoops to jump through, more hoops to jump through. Um, but <laughs> it's what it is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Eli, for spending an hour to go over this deck deck. Uh, amazing deck amazing run this weekend um uh yeah i mean i think i think it's a testament to you know it, like i mean obviously you're a great player and you have a good like card game mind but like you you've been on lexi since since day one like since she came yeah. out and i feel like you have like you've always been innovating even when you know the meta is solved or even when uh the hero is like oh like this is the obvious way to build it or whatever and so 
I think that that just shows that like you can be a specialist with an underrepresented hero uh, and and be quite successful with it, and you can win your bad matchups. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, I gotta go pick up my daughter from school actually. Uh, but thank you so much, Eli. Um, safe travels while you're moving, and uh, to the audience out there, make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, where can people find you on uh, like uh, the socials? Uh, do you um, have a? You can, find me, you can find me on Discord um, uh, at Elia. I'm sure you'll see me in like the the Lexi Discord somewhere once in a while, um, or or other places. And then uh, you can reach out to Team Galaxy Brain, and uh, we're all we're all connected. Hell yeah! So yeah, definitely. Um, I'll make sure that any comments on these these YouTube videos get over to Eli uh, via Discord or or Pigeon or uh, you know uh, message on Arrow, whatever. We'll figure it out. Um, so please comment, like, subscribe, uh, algorithm stuff, uh, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.